Good morning, everybody. Another another great morning. Great morning to let the music be your master, as it were. Uh, we're we're actually in the process of recording a a double episode in one morning. We just just wrapped up the the Grateful Dead one, and we're we're diving into our our next episode. Uh, this episode is a tribute to the band Low. Going to be talking about talking about Low. Um, since their singer drummer Mimi Parker passed away recently, um, wanted to just talk about them and and you know share share what they've they've meant to us in our lives and and how uh, where our listeners might might want to start if they're if they're not familiar and all that kind of stuff. So um, with with that, we uh, we invited. Peter Bauman to to join us. He was the the first low fan that that I knew about. He's the one that that got me into him. So welcome, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, and of course, we're we're joined by uh, go go ahead and Jason Johnson and uh, Steve Kessler. Thanks again. Let me yeah. piggyback on to, to this episode as well. Absolutely. And Steve Ricks. Okay. Sadly, Jordan can't be here. Other priorities. <laughs> yeah. Shall we? The United, United States soccer team is is playing, and he's in the World Cup, and he's very dedicated to that. It's a it's a whole family thing, getting together with his brothers and whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, Jordan, we'll uh, we miss you. <laughs> we do miss him. Yeah. Um, so, Pete, uh, to well, just. Tell tell us about yourself first. Bring bring us up to speed. What what are you up to? Um, well, as Brandon mentioned, I am a PHS alum, and we Brandon and I have known each other for a long time. But now I am living in Long Island, New York. I'm a librarian at a public library. I am in charge of booking programs there, including music, but um, sadly, never anything like low <laughs> mostly oldies bands for seniors <laughs> to do so uh-huh. that's what i've been up to in the past 15 years awesome well yeah. what's it like out there on long island right now um it is a very blustery rainy day but it's also like 60 degrees which is seems very wrong for december oh, take it. Hmm. yeah <laughs> so I, w- I was thinking back um, trying to remember the first time that that I met Pete, J- Jason. You guys go go way back. Is it since you were born? Were you were you both born in that neighborhood? Um, I mean, I, I think, was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, we were both born in the hospital. I assume, but okay. The uh, <laughs> smart guy. <laughs> yeah, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, Pete is a few years older than me. I uh, I, I mentioned before he he was a. Uh, 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 I don't know if he considered himself this, but I always looked at him as a uh, kind of a tastemaker in the in the neighborhood. Um, he always wore uh, cool band T-shirts, and I would see them, and I would uh, I would take mental note, and then uh, and then try to go explore whatever uh, whatever thing he was he was promoting. And as far as I can remember, he had a very good track record of of representing uh stuff that I found to be cool. Uh uh kind of uh from uh, from admiring from a from a distance. 
Well, thanks, Jason. And yes, I did consider myself a takes me. <laughs> so you're welcome for the service. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so my my first memory of, of meeting you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think, uh, I think I met you at my first concert, which we mentioned uh, last podcast was Iceburn at the... Um, Seven Peaks, the Seven Peaks Water Park, ah. uh, where, you know, out, it wasn't actually the OR Park, but on the big field there, they had some some music festival, Spring Fest, I believe it was called, and I oh, went yeah. there with Chris Lindsay, and this was my first concert, He'd, he maybe had gone to a few before, but we're both sophomores, we're both 15, can't drive, had Chris's dad drop us off, and then looking for a ride home, he saw Kelly Chambers, and he's like, hey, can we get a ride with you? And I believe you were there with him. And so I think that's the first time we met was Red Bull. Uh, that was probably the first time I met. The first memory I have of you, distinct memory, is um, going to your grandpa's house next door and you playing um, Angry Chair on the xylophone or whatever it was. <laughs> By Austin Chains? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the xylophone. Yeah, my, my grandpa had the, this big uh, marimba. I think it was his dad's <laughs> from like the, the 20s or something. This uh, big uh, wooden thing. So, huh, I, uh, I learned angry chair on that. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, Guess and you, you forgot were, it. And you were wowed. <laughs> I, I was it. very impressed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, after our our uh, auspicious beginnings, we uh we formed a band. We were it was it was my first band, Placenta. Your first band too, Pete? Definitely. Yeah. And <laughs> oh went went through a, a whole series of of wild and memorable shows, most legendary. Of, yeah. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> okay. Legendary. legendary. Placenta from Provo. And I'm going to add yeah. a little more context. So this is Provo. This is Clean Cut Provo. And Brandon and Pete were the um they were the exemplars of having kind of kick-ass hair. Um in this in this clean cut world that we were in. They were the kids that we all admired and envied because their their hair game at the time they had they had longer hair which wasn't uh, necessarily a thing that uh, that some of our families per- permitted and uh, and and these guys pulled it off and uh, and I'm still jealous to to this day of of it but uh, the, uh it, legendary placenta was legendary come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. He'll take it. He'll take it. We'll Ma- take it. Yeah. Mainly we played at each other's basements. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had uh, at least one op- I think we had three opening bands usually. There there was one that <laughs> three. our our always opening band was Mystery Meat. Uh, that's my memory. And we and we had a rap band, the two three two posse. Which I happen to have what? a photo of Sitting right here next to me, which, you know, obviously you can't see it on the podcast, but there it is, uh-huh. framed. Oh, yeah, way too <laughs> yeah. in that one. Wearing my, my mom's, like, nightgowns or whatever. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was, there was a lot of fun costuming involved in our, our placenta shows. Wow, what a time to be alive. It was, it was fantastic. I, I wasn't using hyperbole when I said legendary. Yeah. I mean, what, what more needs to be said? We did have one... One show at a legitimate venue, Hangar 18 in Provo, no, in, in Orem. We, we, well, 
opened for I think four other bands. This is one that Kelly set up. <laughs> And they prob- including they prob- Mystery Meat? No. Oh, Mystery Meat was not invited to that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Placenta was the opening you act. Open, they probably yeah. all quit after that night after having you open for them because what's the point of going on, right? So so here's here's what Placenta mostly involved. Um it was me on electric guitar. And in junior high I had been a huge Depeche Mode fan. And so I, I had their songbook of piano music, which also had guitar chords in it. So half of our songs were Depeche covers, other half were originals. Pete, Pete on vocals, and then Kelly, aka Chet Cheeseburger, on buckets because he he didn't have a drum set and we couldn't afford it. And I don't know if he was interested in, awesome. in ever playing. That, that sounds yeah. amazing. So we we had a variety of buckets, like had a, a five gallon like a <laughs> detergent kind of bucket for the snare. Had some water storage, those clear plastic kind of water storage for the the bass or the kick drum. Got two of them together so we could put the the stick in between the two for a, a double bass experience. And importantly, a uh, patching trowel for a cymbal. Yes, a patching trowel. <laughs> as uh, that was that was our first. We did eventually get also a real cymbal, but the patching trowel was was an important element and a song title. Long story short, uh, it was uh, it was. A delightful experience playing in a band with with Pete Bowen. <laughs> um, okay, so so we're going to talk about talk about the band Low. How how did you come to them, Pete? What was your your introduction to to Low? I was actually at um, our friend Wade's apartment watching 120 Minutes mm-hmm. um, one one Sunday evening, and they played the video for Shame. And, uh, you know, this is like the, the mid nineties or whatever. So it's mostly like grunge and shoegaze and heavy stuff. And that came on and just blew me away. And I, I went to, uh, if I remember Crandall audio the next day and bought long division on CD and was mm-hmm. just a huge fan from then on. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's play that one. That's a, that's a great song to start things out with. So this is from, from their album, long division. Is this their, their second album? Second, yeah. Uh, 1995 is when, when this came out. Well, what were the big hits in, in 95? Oh, geez. What were, what were most of the, most of the kids are, are we like to dead, at that time? We were like right in the middle like of second Nirvana? wave grunge or something? Like, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's right. Well, second Co- wave grunge. Cobain's still alive. Candlebox. Or he dies in 95. He's 95, same year as Garcia. Yeah, right? that's right. So maybe... Candlebox. Yeah, Candlebox, Candlebox Silver was chair? huge. Silver chair? All that stuff was huge. <laughs> yeah. Frog stomp, silver chair. Um, maybe maybe a radio head's getting big. Um, I mean, your your favorite rage is probably still uh, very pertinent. Yeah. So, yeah, this stuff was a, a, a big contrast to what was popular amongst even the, the rock and alternative Shout out to stuff Coolio, uh, Gangster's Paradise number one that year. Yeah. It's very good tune still. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. So here we go with, with Shane from Low.
Crandall Audio the next day to get this. I, I don't know. I, I think for me, with Low, was always, especially since this was the first um, song I heard, was Mimi's voice, first of all. It just, you know, it's so beautiful and has such a great, um, I don't know, presence to it. it. It always kind of reminds me of Karen Carpenter a little bit. Mm-hmm. The way her her vocal quality sounds and just the space in the music, it was just so much different from anything I'd heard. You know, it just stood out so clearly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so S- Steve Riggs has to has to take off a little early. So maybe before you got to leave, what a uh, what do you want to say about it? <laughs> Um, Maybe where where did you come to them from, or what do you think stands out about them, or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I came to Low, you know, much later, probably around 2010, and um, I can't even remember exactly what put me on to them, except I think it was just uh, just just friends and hearing that. Well, yeah, just hearing Gouache, there's this, there's this band, and they're like the the first slowcore band ever, or on the cutting edge of this kind of particular genre, and they're Mormon, and they're married, and <laughs> I mean, you know, I think as a LDS person, you know, it's always when you when you're part of kind of a smaller niche religion, maybe you you kind of you like. There's part of you that wants people of your faith to be famous, or, <laughs> or, or it's interesting when when people that you think are associated with your faith, or whatever, are are famous, or maybe even making it in a particular field. Donny Osmond. Yeah, you know, like there have never been professional musicians before that were Mormon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, 
I don't need to ramble on too much about this. Anyway, I'm thinking it was my friend Christian, who you guys know, who, who told me about Low. Or first, of so the first album I listened to was The Great Destroyer. That's from 2005, and it's so it's well into their career. And I love that album a lot. I just uh, and Monkey's my favorite track of theirs, probably ever and on that album but i guess the track i'm gonna have to take off in a minute so if, if i'm gonna pick a track comes from the next album uh drums and guns is that it and the track that i just is very haunting and beautiful on that one is called dragonfly mm-hmm. and um i lo- uh, yeah i love the vocal harmonies in the chorus in particular and and it's just it seems like this is kind of indicative that of their, you know, very chill style, the vocal harmonies, the the stripped down uh materials there, but but just really um I don't know. But, but it, it draws you in and it's compelling because of the the various elements and the way they're put together. And this song I just found really haunting. It seems like it's talking about a, a war veteran or or somebody that's relying on medication and and stuff, and so it kind of has this very heavy kind of serious tone. But um, just the the chorus in particular in this song I just love. We took our Um, if you guys, if you chose one or two words to describe low, what would you go with? Who are you asking? All of you. Patient. Patient. Yeah. Okay. Spacious. Spacious. Um, this one, I would say endless. These songs, you know. They, they seem to bleed into one another and while some of them are relatively short there is a like there is a space there that I don't know belies the seconds that you take to listen to the song like you could listen to a three minute low track and it, it could feel much longer mm-hmm. than that and I think that's 
really unique to the band. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly in the old stuff. Ha- absolutely. Like less so in the newer. I mean, we just listened to what uh, 30 seconds, 45 seconds of Dragonfly and I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, poetic or anything. It feels longer. It feels like longer. Mhm. Yeah, uh I was I was going to say haunting. But I think all all those apply to patience. Why why do you say that? I think especially in contrast, you know, to what a lot of uh, their contemporaries were doing, they they were willing to sit with a tone or a feeling like for an extended space and explore it but not in like a uh not in like a it didn't it doesn't feel like manipulative or heavy-handed you know probably in conjunction with what Pete said with that spacious um really kind of just letting it letting it it flow and grow at an organic um pace Mm -hmm. and it just it kind of exists and and grows and and runs through it there Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think too for I, for reason why I say it's said spacious is because I feel like with low, um, they every instrument, every voice is giving space. It's not you know there are, uh, most bands. It's like um, the the instruments and everything are mixed together into kind of a whole thing. But I feel like with low, they're all they're working together, but they're given space. You know, you you hear the bass tone ring out. And then, you know, it's almost like there's a breath in between, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Low is a, a three-piece. We've got Alan Sparhawk on guitars and vocals, Mimi Parker, drums and vocals. Uh, bass players sometimes switch. Um, who, who are the long-term ones? Zach, 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 Sally. Zach Sally. And Steve something? Who, who came after Zach? Steve Bennington, something like that. I'm forgetting. Sorry, the most recent <laughs> bass player. <laughs> but yeah, always a, a three-piece, and it's like the the opposite of like the Phil Spector wall of sound kind of thing, where you know the a lot of the songs it's very definitely just those. Even the the drums themselves very minimal. What, what does Mimi have on her her drum kit? Floor tom and a, a snare. Uh, yeah, one symbol. One symbol, one uh-huh. bass drum. The riot symbol. Um, yeah, so so pretty different from what, what you think of for a rock band. But uh, really great stuff. And I, yeah, like you, you mentioned with the being drawn to her voice, I, I always dug her voice especially and and also the, their two voices together. I'm a, I'm a sucker for those. Those two-part harmonies and and just the yeah the the gorgeous stuff that they do. I don't know. Yeah, there is just a feeling that relationship between Alan and Mimi. You know, like just a fan listening to their music or whatever. And I'm probably not alone in feeling like we all took Mimi for granted, right? Like kind of felt like maybe low was just going to be that perennial indie band that was around forever um and now that she's gone there's a perspective there that you're able to kind of be like damn um but within that i like i look at her and alan and just think like this these are two people you know 
um, that were that found each other, and that's remarkable. That is a remarkable musical pairing. Um, just you know the the timber of their vocal cords coming together is is crazy that they found that, and um, and that's not even to say anything about their relationship and, and the love and the family that they built. That's it's truly um, a, a beautiful thing to think about, kind of while you listen to. Um, the music that they made, um, it really kind of just, you know, the space and the patience and the endlessness of it all kind of comes together it, thinking, thinking about these two people making music together. What's uh what's a track you want to play? Um, so I came to low, I guess, you know, later in, in their career as well. I'm thinking it was probably 2007, there are, you know, a world of indie bands out there that are that are gobbling up internet space and print space and stuff. And um, I'm living in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm frequenting a record store called Bart's CD Cellar on Pearl Street. And at the time, I didn't I didn't know Low, you know. Um, maybe I had seen them, you know, a review or something, but didn't take any time with them. But what I did take time with was a, a record label called Cranky. And it was like, it was this kind of newer record label to me at least. And I was just really, um, into a lot of the stuff they were putting out. And so I walk into Bart CD seller one of the days and I'm looking through their, their new used bin, um, just looking for treasures or whatever. And I see, um, a record it's red and it's got a hand coming down on it and I f- just flip right past it you know keep going looking probably for something specific and as I find nothing in 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 their new used bin I go back I start over again and I see that that red record with the hand draped over it is on the label cranky and I think oh this is on cranky I better you know I better give this a shot you know mm-hmm. And so I do. I, so I, I buy it and I take it home. And I just remember putting on trust by low and that first track just sitting there kind of paralyzed as they sing Amazing Grace. That's how you sing Amazing Grace. Um, and it's just a, it's a poignant memory because just, yeah, you hadn't heard, heard a band like that. And it's kind of experimental music in a, in a really different way. The, the way that they can let everything they can sit with everything until it organically blossoms you know mm-hmm. in a way that no other band can yeah okay here's uh that's how you sing amazing grace from the album trust That's how we sing 
just like you know like hearing that for the first time you don't consider that it's two people singing they're just so in it right like they're so together mm -hmm. and um it's remarkable I'll never get old never gets old yeah um yeah we uh like you mentioned in the in the Grateful Dead episode how for for a lot of fans and participants it, it can be like a, a spiritual experience especially the live shows uh, that, that was my experience with, with low shows I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way but probably more than any other band that I've been to and not that they're like overtly religious in their in their lyrics there, there's you know symbolisms and stuff in there but uh yeah, there was definitely a uh, just a spiritual, like a feeling of of holiness to me when I'd go to their shows. It was like, man, take off your shoes, you know. This is this is sacred. I mean, sacred territory. Absolutely, like this is a band to be listened to. You know, like where some bands you're there to spin. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're. I mean, there's always listening as part of it, but this is a band to be listened to, like period. And I think they, you know they're pretty unique in that in that realm mm -hmm. I was gonna say I think too like for me I don't know if it's just the Mormon connection but I always got sort of a kind of church choir feeling from it uh -huh. with the you know like the harmonies and everything and there's a certain you know you know when I listen to it at home I always sing along and it kind of gives me that <laughs> sort of um, I can't hold the notes as long as they can but uh, it, it definitely gives me that sort of church choir feeling, even though the music is quite different. It has that sort of, I don't know, this kind of devotional feel to it almost. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe that, that aspect of it kind of stands out. And, and some of the songs that Mimi sings by herself, just kind of, kind of that, that gospel kind of, tone of her voice or something something like that i mean i'd love to hear uh you know a mimi sacrament special if, if i was in that <laughs> duluth ward or wherever they, wherever it is they hung their hat that would be something just really incredible to experience and yeah um but yeah i i kind of get the the spiritualness of this as well like some of their songs you can almost read them like like a prayer you know um alan speaking to god or at least he was writing um these lyrics and he doesn't hide it and that's pretty intense you know to you know be speaking to god and putting it out there in in an equally intense way or maybe in an appropriately intense intense way and i think that definitely sets them sets them apart especially from you know if we're like uh, drums and guns is what 2002 and trust is 2007 like we were like very deeply into a uh, jangly pop indie rock wave you know and to be doing to be doing that kind of a thing um it's pretty singular so mm -hmm. jason you got one you want to play uh yeah so i full disclosure unless anybody uh um make any assumptions i i am far from an aficionado and so i don't want to come across as a as a poser here and i think um pete made me realize you know probably part of why i i think i may i i've 
historically missed the boat with them. It hasn't been a matter of dislike when they, you know, came on in the nineties. I I've mentioned before, but I was a, uh, uh, just a, uh, I, I mass consumed MTV and I loved 120 minutes. And I, I know I was aware of them in the nineties via 120 minutes, but full disclosure at that time, I was also a bit of a, a meathead, a bit of a Philistine. And I'm certain that at some level, I I probably passed on it thinking I'm not interested in uh, bands with, with a, a female front, female singer. And so I, I didn't necessarily dislike it. I just, I think I decided it wasn't for me. I came back around far too late, um, you know, 2000 teens and tried to catch up but i i just didn't do a good job playing catch up so the for me like the main album that i've spent time some time with is their their um they their debut album uh like what is it i could live in hope mm-hmm. and um i would probably as as down the middle of a pick as it is i would probably go with the opener from that and by the way what a debut album like Think looking at this now retroactively in context, what a way to come out of the gates, especially at the time. Pretty, um, pretty bold and pretty, I, I think, uh, indicative of of just true artists that were putting their art out there, uh, regardless of of what else was going on, and and set an incredibly high bar uh, from the from the beginning but I would I would start with the opening track from their debut album uh, words okay
It's so good. It, it really is. And I, it's, you know, these are all low BPM songs. Um, I think that that's probably where I pulled that word patience as well. Like they're not in a hurry to get to their get to the I, thesis of their of their their song statement. You know? I remember the first time I, I saw them live. You know they they played a few songs. This is probably halfway through their set, and Alan he says something like he's like this next song is gonna start with like me strumming the guitar for a while, and then uh, it'll go it'll going from there kind of like all our songs <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure i was at that same yeah. show <laughs> so he's, he's acknowledging that there's uh you know a tendency to have these these long intros maybe and and really simple too right like there's no there's no showing off of like your your musical chops with this the uh let's say the Sorry to interrupt, but the oh, solo ahead. on this that we missed because we had to <laughs> hit the 45 uh-huh. seconds or is a beautiful solo. It's not flashy, but I I just love uh, the solo on words. So yeah, I've, well I I can go back retroactively and, and bring the volume up. stuff i like hearing this and knowing this is their first album it feels like they're coming kind of out of the uh the shoegaze tradition a little bit like you can you can see similarities with uh like the the slower kind of slow dive songs and some of the verve stuff and cocto twins and so some of that what what really stands out to me though is most of those bands that, that you think of the uh the lyrics and the voices are more obscured. Like you, you either the voices are kind of hidden in the mix a little bit, or in the case of Cocteau Twins, they're you know forward, but you don't n- know what she's saying or any of that kind of stuff. But low, like it's more like Johnny Cash kind of stuff. Like you don't have any question of what the words are that they're saying. Yeah. It's it's very very present. Not that it's always obvious what he's talking about, but. Um, 
but I, yeah, I appreciate just having their, their voices there so distinct and so powerful and it's a, it's a treat. I think it's also incredible. Like as we listen to the first track of the first album, we could probably listen to the last track on the last album. And there is a consistency here that may not be with too many other bands, especially um, like indie bands that put out that many records as, as they have put out there, you know, there would bound to, there would bound to be, you know, like, Oh, this is their, here's this album that came out in 05. And it kind of sounds like, this you know it sounds like Coldplay or something you know like where bands as they organically grow um they have albums that sound differently and and this is not a knock on bands that sound differently throughout their career or bands that sound the same but um for low and to listen to this first song i i just am kind of struck that like alan and mimi and these guys like they knew that they tapped into like a pretty deep vein and that Mm -hmm. there was a lot a lot to be farmed here and that's and and perhaps that is why um perhaps that is why they mined it the way they did for so long and why why they were able to continually pull just gorgeous things out of this you know instead of shifting instruments or shifting styles to accommodate whatever they may have been feeling they were like there's still something here you know let's pull it out and like so thankful that they did you know just um yeah a beautiful thing that they yeah. can do i i was thinking when when mimi comes in on that song in the in the harmonies um you know i remember hearing hearing them for the first time in the recordings and then seeing them live and you know i i wasn't married at the time um but then listen to this it, it reminded me of kind of my my feelings of that like that there's something about that that harmony, the way they sing together, of thinking, that's what a marriage is like. I want that. Wow. Like when I get married, that's what I want. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, not knowing nothing about their actual relationship or <laughs> anything, but just as a symbol of like, you know, a, a audio symbol of of a marriage, of a relationship. Just just hearing that and whatever that's whatever's going on with those voices intertwining, I'm like that's what I want in, <laughs> in <Yeah>. my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what else do you got for us, Pete? What's a, another favorite? Um, I, another favorite I chose, which is, you know, probably a good contrast because it's on the last album is, um, yeah. on Hey, Hey, what is the song more? And for me, like I, I kind of, uh, after, um, trust, I kind of wasn't paying as much attention to low for a while. I would buy their albums. I happened to see them, but when I heard double negative, the second to last one, I was like, Oh, they're, they're really trying something different. So I got that. And then when, um, Hey, what came out, I heard, you know, like the first song that they had put out and, and I, I love the song. It's not this song, but uh, I thought, Oh, I hope they're not doing this effect on the whole album which they did, and I was absolutely wrong with the you know the distortion effect. But for me, hey, what is just you know I'm sure I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone in having the past few years be particularly difficult years. And you know, to me, this song more is kind of like the, and the whole album. But this this is the one that always sticks out to me, and it just kind of encapsulates 
what's been going on in the world and with people and how disappointing it can be sometimes, you know, especially as an adult when maybe things aren't how you dream them and the world isn't what you hoped it might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, for this, this song, I just, it's another Mimi lead vocal song. I just love it. <laughs> a shorter one just uh yeah two, just over two <laughs> minutes of that one yeah. but yeah i mean especially knowing like what they're going through and what she was going through specifically at uh, this you know new album is just it's beautiful it's heartbreaking i i just love it do you do you know like when the cancer diagnosis was for her like how I feel like I remember hearing about it in maybe 2020, 2021, that she was diagnosed. I don't know how, you know, they probably knew about it earlier than I did. But, mm-hmm. you know, certainly I, I think she they were, I could be wrong about this, but I think they were re- maybe recording this around those times. I know the last tour she was, you know playing these shows even though she was you know going through chemo or whatever and everything so but uh yeah even even if this was recorded before i I, you know what was going on in the world and everything um the past few years i just feel like it's kind of a really perfect encapsulation of what a lot of people were feeling you know yeah absolutely uh so this one does does sound quite different i i thought i felt that with this album and the previous one double negative um where 
they're they're how would you describe it? they're using more electronic stuff more effects i read somewhere some, yeah some distortion effect of some strange distortion effect on the voices sometimes and the guitar yeah i remember seeing them seeing them live at uh at velour on the double negative tour and you know i'd listened to the album a bunch of times before and i'm like how are they going to play this and <laughs> being blown away at like how how they could pull it off and uh their their bass player at the time i took a picture of his effects rig his pedal setup and he had all kinds of stuff going on so yeah it was it was real impressive how they could get all all those sounds even in a live setting and just just with the the three people still i'm feeling very disappointed in myself for not having seen them on the past two tours um yeah i blew it um Let's see. I'll uh, I'll play one of my favorites here. I think the first one that I heard, uh, I think, was "Lust" in the in the car with you. I think it, you'd made a mixtape and you had, you know, tons yeah. of stuff on there, and and that low song came on, and I'd never heard him before, and I remember being struck by how long he could hold that that note yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he's when he's singing that chorus i'm like wow that's a he's got to take a deep breath before that but but also like how how much it stood out because there's so little else going on in the the music just like he's holding this this note with his voice and um yeah and so then i i saw them probably fairly soon after that the first time i saw him was on the uh the secret name tour um and then after that, their album uh, "Things We Lost in the Fire" comes out, and let me uh, let me pull this up here. So this comes out in two thousand one. Uh, I don't remember if it came out like February or what, but I ha- I hadn't bought it yet. And on uh, March seventh of two thousand one, my my first child was born, Henry, and you know went went to the hospital and we were there for a long time and and then on my way home from the hospital, Kara and Henry were still there and I was I was just going home to get something and was was coming back and I was like I need to celebrate I'm going to stop by Greywell and buy this new low album that just came just came out <laughs> so i i bought it and uh was listening to it the you know the days after that and this uh the closing track on this this song really stood out to me which uh i might have vaguely heard some backstory about the song but it's called in metal and i think their first child had had just been born while they were recording this album do you know is that the case I think so, yeah. And you can hear you can hear like some some little baby squeals on it, and the the whole song is about this idea of like having your your baby's shoes get bronzed, right? And and putting putting them as like a keepsake kind of thing. So here's a uh, in metal from their album uh, "Things We Lost in the Fire." Sound. 
Listen to that, you know, holding hold my <laughs> my first son, and uh, hearing hearing this idea expressed of wanting to just preserve this this sacred moment, this this life, you know. And of course, you don't actually want to bronze your baby, but <laughs> still, that that uh, that uh, need to to preserve this that that feeling of it was so so powerful for me and. You know, it gave me chills back then, and like, like you were saying with the, the Grateful Dead concerts of people having their, their favorite songs that they hope get played. This is one I've, I've never heard them play this one live, and every time I'm hoping for it, I'm like, come on, let's do, let's do in metal. I want to hear this. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so it, it meant a lot to me back then, but uh, now, you know, I, I lost uh, Iris a few years ago, my, my youngest, when she passed, and so it... Uh, you know, has has that uh, extra meaning to it of of uh, wanting that, just wanting to preserve that in your life, that memory or that that feeling. And I'm sure that's something that everyone can relate to of thinking of what's what's most precious in your life and how you want to how you want to keep that and hold on to it. And, and I, I love the uh, the ending of this where. Um, it goes into the, you know, he turns the distortion on and, and the guitar does this uh, kind of a solo thing, kind of feedbacky, but uh, it just sounds so, so mournful, but also yearning. And uh, I'll just play this part again.
<laughs> little baby voice at the end. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, any any others you guys want to? Uh, yeah, I have um, the other song I was is from the Transmission EP. It's called Bright, and um, hopefully that's on there. It was their their cover of Transmission by Joy Division, but they put out an EP with it. And um, I think the song Bright, we were talking about like the space and the patience and um, uh, the song really is like kind of the epitome of that. And it's, um, it was recorded by Steve Albini, which for, for my money is the best, the best person to record low, at least the early version of low, because he just, he doesn't put any polish on it. He doesn't put any, he doesn't he did, add anything. It, it's just low. He did, I think, things we lost in the fire. Yeah, I, I mean, Curtin uh, hits the cast. I think, but, but also things we lost in the yeah. fire too. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. The, the yeah, all the ones it. that are analog, analog, analog. <laughs> <laughs> they used to, you know, put the sticker on the LP. Like you remember, the old CDs had DDD for all digital yep. recording. Yeah, yeah. But um, he did a couple of songs on this EP too, and I think this is uh, just a beautiful song. Beautiful. Um, space to it and uh it only has one line <laughs> i just love this one i don't think i've ever heard this yeah. i've never listened to this this album okay right Do they have a song that breaks a hundred beats per minute? Oh, that's what I was <laughs> just thinking. We, we, <laughs> we should do one of their faster ones yeah. next. I'm, like I'm being serious. Do I don't more was fast. I, I can't think of one. They do have some faster songs, but let's uh, yeah, let's try one. Anything you want to add about this one before we 
Uh, just I think that was like that is kind of the perfect example of how they can do so much with so little. There's like one line of lyrics that's repeated, one guitar thing that's repeated, and like maybe five notes on the bass, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Steve, is there a faster low song that you? I can't you think like? of any fast ones. I'm just thinking of like you know as we all go through these moments, um, you know, especially the one you just shared, Brandon, like how this band was able to just be so meaningful, you know, with, with almost with so little, you know, a three piece band and they're just so, so genuine. And, um, I think, I think, well, I I can't say for sure. I I think it would be that my, my opinion would be that like low fans and people who like low probably connected with low, in a in a in a way that that was that was i'm not the i'm not like the meaningful police but that was perhaps more meaningful and that's where that's where the true beauty of this band lies is is their their ability to say one line of lyrics you know that means something to you and i get it you know people listen to britney spears and have that same experience i'm not saying that they have a um I'm not saying that Britney Spears is bad either. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like that um, this band has an ability to to capture real moments for people. I, I, like a real high level yeah. of authenticity. Yes, like uh, I would say uh, since this is a low pod, a low podcast, or you know, a higher level of authenticity, um, and that they did it, they did it consistently through that discography which is which is crazy which is hard to do um and you know that authenticity is just built into that mimi parker voice like it's gonna be there yeah and so it's a really beautiful thing um and i'm i'm listening to you guys and your experiences and i'm thinking of my experiences and i'm thinking you know i i remember hearing the song murderer off of drums and guns Mm -hmm. and being at an age where you start questioning things and oh, is, is, that, is that is that allowed you know should i do that and then here's a song that's like kind of like pretty intensely questioning things and there was a lot of there was like a lot of comfort in in hearing a, a guy like alan sparhawk and a, and a woman like mimi parker kind of like um kind of reach out of the void and connect with me on 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 that kind of a level um you know, it was a different level than, than like, I'm trying to think of what else I was listening to, like the strokes or something, which is yeah, fantastic. This is, this is a different thing, you know? Yeah. This, this is a great example. Cause I think, uh, most of the ones that we've, that we've played, you'd categorize on the prettier side of low. Sure. But they also have a very dissonant side. Absolutely. I think on each album, there's, there's a few songs like I'm thinking of this one. I'm thinking of, uh, like john prine is that on the, yeah, the that, trust album yeah each album don't understand uh-huh. yeah oh, yeah that's a good one the songs that are very dissonant and like kind of kind of jarring yeah and uh yeah a little just uncomfortable sounding so yeah here's murderer from drums and guns
that's a, that's a fascinating one. And how how they can like I don't know how Alan gets you can't really tell what he's doing on the guitar. I'm guessing he's got some kind of looper pedal or something making that that kind of yeah. feedbacky loop sound. Kind of giving up trying to figure out what Alan <laughs> is doing, but I'm a big fan of what a big fan of what he is doing. Yeah. That one's a, that one was on my list too, actually. Oh, cool! Yeah, <laughs> I, it was. Um, um, I, I, I've said enough about it, I think, already for myself. But yeah, like I, I find myself returning to that song, mm-hmm. um, and it is a point to a point of orientation for me. Let me let me try to scratch Jason's itch for a, uh, a higher BPM one. Here's um, I didn't. Brandon. I'm not like I'm not demanding one. <laughs> I, it was just genuine curiosity. Our our listeners are all curious too. Like, Brandon, uh, before we move on, I just yeah. want to make a side note. Um, if you guys haven't heard, or if the listeners haven't heard, the uh, Murder EP, which is um, has a different version of that song. Oh. Um, it was a ten inch only. Um, a Cameron Crowe's label actually released it. And it's, um, I think it's the original version of that song. They re-recorded it for that, but it's a much more, it's a prettier, um, it's a much more spare production. It doesn't have the loopy thing and it's, but it's just as intense, even though it's, you know, more traditional low. So look look for that one. (laughs) Is this uh, online or is it just a... I don't know if it's available online. It might be on Spotify or whatever, but uh, yeah, I have the record, the the murderer EP. Well, probably someone's uploaded it to YouTube. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure yeah, it's probably I'll there. To check that out. Uh, here's uh, here's one one of my favorites from Invisible Way, 2013. Uh, this one's called Just Make It Stop. show and they just needed to dance i think i think that would that would serve the purpose <laughs> dance to that one i mean i'd be i think you're, you might be hard pressed to find one that's faster than that that might be it 
Yeah. Found it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it quite hit 100. Maybe it was right around that 100 mark. But, um, I, I'm curious. This is, again, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be a, a poser or represent myself as anything I'm not. So this is just my, my gut instinct. And, and I have tried to go back through their stuff. So they have an album. Um, Sub Pop did it. It was called uh, Ones and Sixes. It feels a little, um, a little poppier. And it, it, in my brain, it feels like there's a, an alternate, an alternate timeline, in which Low could have been like the most stereotypical indie pop band like ever. Like they could have done that, but it was interesting to me listening to that album and, um, in contrast to some of their other stuff, and just feeling like, you know, maybe one of the impressive things about them is it, it feels like they really did it all on their own terms. They did it the way they wanted to do it. They didn't seem to be pressured by whatever else the industry was doing. I mean, Sub Pop's obviously a bigger label. Steve Albini's a big producer, but it feels like they still, for the most part, did what they wanted, did it on their own terms. And that always impresses me just from an artistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. Is there a a track on here that stands out to you? Oh, what were the ones I had? Like, what part of me? I think that was one I had circled. Okay, let's do it. capable of writing a catchy pop tune yeah but like i think that was it was that one and maybe no comprende but both of those stuck out to me and i was like oh they had it in them they could have they could have had a very different career track if they would have wanted to yeah not that they would have but i think it adds to that authenticity piece i love it yeah 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 very good i mean even the even the poppier side of them is like still like there's something there you know there's something yeah. there's really something i don't want to hammer this over and over there's something with mimi and alan right you can just hear it you can yeah. hear it in anything they do yeah those voices coming together is something it's a it's a huge loss to not have those voices together physically anymore so yeah yeah i i was i found myself kind of surprised by how much affected me actually like I, I love them, but I haven't, you know, been as devoted to them as I was once upon a time. And I was really kind of surprised how much her passing affected me. You know, I put yeah. some on and I, you know, I would have to turn it off because I, you know, I'm like, I can't start crying at work right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I um, went to school, The I think it was a, a Sunday that that I heard about it, that they announced it on Instagram or whoever. But then I, I went to school the next day and I'd been 
listen to their songs on the way to school, which is, you know, was probably a bad idea. <laughs> but anyway, you know, class started and I, I just told, told my class about it. I'm like, you guys probably don't know this band, but they're, they're huge for me. And I just want to play this, this song from them. So I, I played uh, a live version of Holy Ghost that they had done on the radio and the, the kids seem to really enjoy it. They're like, what's this band called again? They're all taking notes. And, That's cool. Yeah. Well, Pete, do you have a, a final final one you want to wrap this up with? Um, hmm. Let me look at my list. <laughs> uh, this one's not on my list, but I'm more in the mood for it. It's from uh, Double Negative. It's um, uh, always trying to work it out. Um this is my husband, Anthony, one of his favorites from Low, And uh, he's not like a big, we agree on some music, but not on a lot of it. And uh, we were, I, I was listening to this and he's like, oh, I really like this one. And uh, I feel like uh, this, this is a good, um, a good song for introverts. <laughs> <laughs> they need good songs for them too. Yeah. Another good one. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately got my attention. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for this. <laughs> Always trying to work it out. Yeah. Okay. for introverts i've said it before people don't believe me i'm an outgoing introvert i don't get nervous around people but i get exhausted and (laughs) i can stand in front of and present in front of a group of a thousand people and do my thing but a social event i mean you've seen it how many times have i stood you guys up i can't do it (laughs) 
And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I need a, a list of, I want Pete, I want your playlist of songs for introverts, but that's a, that's a great track as part of it. I, I remember the first time I heard that first lyric, I thought I, I've never, uh, like identified with a lyric so much about seeing someone, you know, at the grocery store and thinking, <laughs> Oh, they look busy. I sh- I'm not going to go over. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Pete. This is, this has been thanks great. For having me. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to do a, a low episode for, for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, felt, felt like the right time, especially now. So glad, glad we could do this. Glad Steve could join us as yes, well. Yes. Thank you for letting me tag along and, and, you know, just feel just, you know, eulogize Miss Mimi one, one more time. It's, yeah. It's been, it's cool. Yeah. Best of luck in, in your endeavors today, Pete. Hope Thank you, you. A great rest of your day, and uh, you too. Yeah, thanks for joining. It was yeah. uh, it was fun to to reconnect a little bit. I'm I'm cer- I, mean, I don't want to rehash. We've already rehashed enough past. I'm certain we must have gone on like a a, a scout camp or something at some point together. Sure, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, definitely. I, I really do mean youth it. Like, conference. It, it is in my. It is burned in my my brain that uh, that that. That Pete, I'm so glad he's he's wearing. You can't see him. He's wearing a Susie and the Banshees T-shirt right now, and this is this is one of my my favorite, my fondest memories of him is his uh, his his T-shirts were always quietly projecting something cool. And geez, uh, what a what a great job um, representing and memorializing Low. And I'm I'm interested. I'm excited to dig in more. So you uh, you helped me out at least. Yeah. I I got lots of lots of great memories of hanging out in in Pete's basement or in your your bedroom, listening listening to CDs. Or Pete Pete was uh, <laughs> he was like the the ultimate not a not of just uh, the the t shirts but making killer mixtapes. I I I was the beneficiary of of a lot of your great great. <laughs> I did like making a mixtape. Yeah, I don't know if they'd be like based on a theme or something, but. I was like, "Oh, sweet new new Pete mixtape. Those were always always a treasure. Something to the, new to listen to in the car with with the great music on it." Yeah. So lots of good right. times harmonizing to Depeche in the car. That's right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could hit all of those. <laughs> I'm Dave Gone. You're Martin Gore. Yep. <laughs> and doing all all the effects just with our voices too. That was. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take us out. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do Holy Ghost to to take us out. Um, so th- thanks everyone for for joining us. We'll we'll see you next time. <laughs>